This is an ABC podcast. There's that music. There's that bass. And here's my voice, Sammy J. You should have probably not been surprised to hear it since you have chosen to listen to the Sammy J Snack Pack. Thanks for joining me this week. Hope you've had a good week. Hope the year's going by all right. And I hope you've got your toothbrush packed and your passport ready because we are going on a journey today. We're heading all the way from Melbourne to India. And then we're not going to stop there. We're going to go into space. Then we're going to come crashing back down to Earth rather dramatically. And we're also going to take a musical journey into the new and unknown. But how should we take that journey? Well, why don't we hop on the train? That's right. We all spend a lot of time on trains, at least I do. A lot of my life. But of course, mainly it's just commuting. It's just getting from point A to B. We don't think about it. But every now and then something happens on a train. Something dramatic, like I had a woman faint once. I had to help her off onto the platform. had to call the ambulance. Or maybe you've met someone on a train. Maybe you've met the love of your life. It is the backdrop to mainly mundane moments, but sometimes things that stick in your mind forever. G'day, Sammy. Um, I was living in, in Hanoi and I'd been to Sapa for the weekend in the north and was travelling back on a day train. And we were passing through a cutting and there was villages all around and suddenly past my right ear was this flash of colour, squawking and feathers and a chicken had launched itself from the cutting into the air and had just flown towards the train through the window past me and landed in the lap of the guy behind. Um, and it was... Was lucky to, to not be hit by the by the chicken. Anyway, I quickly turned around and there's this guy wrangling this chicken into his coat, and I could just see in his eyes, dinner fixed. <laughs> this is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Okay, now I hope you're indoors for this next segment. I just preferably with a bike helmet on, maybe even in a bunker, ideally, uh, because last week debris from a suspected Chinese booster rocket made an uncontrolled return to Earth. Uh, That is, yes, space junk crashing down metres from villages in Malaysia and Indonesia and then that triggered a rebuke from NASA and, I mean, closer to home, SpaceX debris has turned up on a sheep farm in regional New South Wales. I want to know more. I want to know how scared we should be, so I'm joined now on the Snack Pack by Dr Sarah Webb, astronomer from Swinburne University. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Are we all going to be hit by space junk by the end of this week? No. The statistical probability of you getting hit by space junk by the end of the week is extremely low. But it's never zero. It's never zero. And that's because we have junk falling from space all of the time, really. Most of it is in controlled burns, and a lot of it burns up in the atmosphere, or as you said, lands in a point in the ocean that we call Point Nemo. Um, And a lot of it's planned very controlled, except when we see giant hunks of metal landing in the outback, (laughs) A little bit concerning, right? Okay, so we'll get to that in a moment. What's this Point Nemo you're referring to? You mean wherever it hits is declared Point Nemo? So there's an actual point in the Pacific Ocean and it's the furthest point away from any human civilization and land mass, including Antarctica. So if you're at this point, at Point Nemo, you're closer to the people on the ISS than you are to people on any islands, any continents, um, anywhere, which is amazing. And and, uh, and they they purposefully try and they can and do guide space junk to that point when it's re-entering. 
Yeah, so you can figure out what the orbit should be based on the mass of the object and how much it should burn up. And so I think at the moment there's over 280 different bits of spacecraft and space debris that are at the bottom of Point Nemo. And the best part is, even though it's still not great to pollute the ocean, a thousand percent about cleaning up the ocean, this point is quite interesting because there's no warm water or nutrients coming off the land, so it's not as diverse in life. Mm -hmm. So it's probably the best point we can drop things on our Earth if we had to pick one. Do you think it's better to uh, pollute the ocean in that sense uh, or pollute space? Is it better that we still, you know, it's like you take, mm -hmm. take your rubbish home with you. Should we still, it, it's, it's, it's a certain ecological uh, or philosophical yeah. viewpoint that we should be bringing it back to Earth, even if it does feel a bit gross? Yeah, no, it's an entirely perfect um, point because, first of all, it's materials that are made out of metals that aren't, they're not, they're not continuous on the Earth, so... You know, in a thousand years' time, we might need those metals mm -hmm. to do whatever we need to do. Um, but if you leave it up in space, then it creates a whole other issue because you could end up having um, injuries or accidents happen in space, which in space, there's something called the Kessler syndrome, which is a runaway orbital debris. And if anyone's seen the movie Gravity, Sandra Bullock, mm. um excellent movie you'll get a you'll get a vibe of what Kessler syndrome could potentially look like and I mean spoilers it's not great she does have to go on an adventure so that's another worrying thing <laughs> I'm chatting to astrophysicist at Swinburne University and someone who's not afraid to ruin Sandra Bullock movies for all of us let's not ask her about <laughs> speed then Dr Sarah Webb okay having established that there is currently some sort of process in place for returning space junk to the earth from which it came where's it all going wrong Mm. So I think what is interesting about this massive piece of space junk, which we're pretty sure it's from a Crew Dragon capsule, so one of the first ones they ever launched, mm -hmm. a testing bed really, um, is that the SpaceX officials have said that this was within a predictable outcome. Sure, it's not great that it landed on land, but it was not unforeseeable, which means that in their modelling, theoretically, if we take those words at face value, there was some modelling to say it could have landed in Australia, which is concerning because was that made aware to our space agency and to our aeronautics agency? We are still unsure if that was the case. And if it was, then sure, they followed like protocol and procedure, but it's all international laws and treaties. It's very difficult to define what is right and what is wrong. As we all know, chance is very low. However, if you are a human being in that area and that rained down upon you, then there's um, <laughs> catastrophic consequences. Oh, yeah, even if you have property. So whether it be machinery, mechanics, or a house, that is still a massive piece of object that is falling from the sky. And again, the chances are very, very low, but we've got to look at the possibility of if it does hit something or someone, what, what would that mean? Um, and there are laws to say that the governing country who agrees to send up the, the space object has to cover all of the costs. So we do have some laws and treaties in place for that. Um, but, you know, even with a law in place, you might still feel a little bit, little bit worried. I was once accused of being under the influence of drugs by a law enforcement officer on the train. I was 18 and some friends and I decided to uh, celebrate the end of finishing Year 12. We would walk from Frankston to the city of Melbourne, which is not a small task, particularly when you're not that fit and haven't been training for it. It took us like 12 hours and we got the train back down to uh, Frankston. But because of all the walking we'd done with no preparation, my legs sort of seized up on the way back. I think it was the lactic acid or something and I couldn't properly walk when I tried to stand up. 
uh, and the station attendant uh, came up and, yes, accused me of being rather not quite of sound mind. And I had to explain, no, uh, I had simply done a stupid physical dare, but I wasn't returning from a trip to visit my dear. The Snack Pack. As you'll know, regular Snack Pack listeners, I love talking to people about the petty gripe that they have, the axe to grind, the beef they share, and how thrilled am I to welcome onto the Snack Pack the legend, the man I grew up watching on Hey Hey It's Saturday as Raymond J. Bartholomew, the man many of you will know from Rock Quiz and ABC Radio. It is none other than Brian Nankervisk. Hello there, Brian. What's the hill you are going to die on today? Well, look, Sammy, I'm grabbing the megaphone now. Look, I I thought long and hard about this. Uh, I certainly considered a few possibilities for righteous anger, Mm. all with fairly serious political and social implications, Uh, perhaps the tendency of cloth band-aids to fray after more than four hours on a finger or a thumb, (laughs) Um, ordering a pot of tea in a cafe and being presented with a cup of warm water with a tea bag on the side Ugh. and you know sometimes i look at the uh, the person who brought it with it with a look of, of anger but they seem to be completely oblivious <laughs> um toasted sandwiches served directly on top of a rapidly decomposing paper serviette <laughs> all, all of these are battle worthy brian already well Yes, and also I even flirted with uh, overuse of the following words and phrases. Awesome, literally, iconic, hack, it is what it is, and my favourite, and I know yours, spirit animal. (laughs) However, I'll end up sounding like a grumpy old man, whinging (laughs) on a hill, dying a lonely death, oblivious to the stunning views, and Mark Humphreys dressed as Dumbledore. (laughs) Instead, this morning... Sammy, I'm railing against a commonly heard and I suppose a rather predictable statement heard as often as not from grumpy, whinging old men on hills. The offending statement, Mm. well, roughly paraphrased, it is as follows. Brian, there's no really great music being released these days. Now... For me, a ridiculous, narrow-minded, insular point of view, it's not only lazy and disrespectful, but it's also damaging, Sammy, to an industry that you and I both love, an industry that relies on public enthusiasm and passion. So, without further rhetoric or soapbox lecturing, here are 14 recently released songs that, to my mind, prove that, in fact, new music... Great new music is out there. You just have to look. You've got to do some searching, ask around, play loud, and listen. This is, the, this is the first time that a participant on the battlefield of the Hill I Would Die On has bought a very own curated playlist in order to win the argument, and I am ready for this, Brian. That is exactly what it is, Sammy J. I hope people have their pencils ready. Leonard Cohen's Roses by Jeanette Napolitano formerly of Concrete Blonde. Backseat of My Mind by Thelma Plum. Falling Apart Right Now, Wilco. Get Me Out, King Stingray. Northern Rivers, Paul Kelly. Shays Lounge, Wet Leg. Kyoto, Phoebe Bridges. Key West, Bob Dylan. Before You Gotta Go, Courtney Barnett. The Cruelest Cut, The Slingers. Nullarbor, Floodlights. 
Diamond Studded Shoes, Yola, Jazz on the Autobahn, the Felice Brothers, Raise Your Hand, Vicar and Linda Bull, and one to go out on from earlier this year. It's a rousing song of defiance. And I say, play this one loud and you will be convinced. The Collector by Missy Higgins. They call me The Collector. Coming back from the city and after doing some PD with a girlfriend, we weren't normally on the, we don't normally catch the train, and um, sat down in a section where had three seats facing each other, so six all together, and four other people joined us, hmm. and I didn't think anyone knew one another. Suddenly, someone in the middle got out their briefcase and laid it over the top of their laps and started a card game. And wanted to know if we wanted to join in. The Snack Pack. Oh, I love it when we get big, talented names on the Snack Pack. And I love it even more when we can ask those talented names exactly what they've been seeing, hearing and tasting. Pallavi Shada is an international film, theatre actress and classical Indian dancer. Her Hollywood film credits include Tom and Jerry, Oscar-nominated film Lion and upcoming films Wedding Season and Black Sight. Pallavi Shada, welcome. I've got to ask you, first of all, what you seeing? Apart from all the work you've been creating yourself. I was like, can I just plug my own <laughs> no, Not allowed, not Damn allowed. It. Oh, my God, that was what I came prepped with. <laughs> okay, I'm seeing, I'm going to be a little bit meta. Is that okay? Go for it. I'm I'm seeing an increased uh, an increased level of intercultural representation on global screens, and I'm very excited about it. Awesome. And have you seen that, is that like over the last couple of years in particular? Are you talking about decades, your whole career? Uh, definitely not my whole career. My whole career was not even possible mm-hmm. in Australia when I was starting out because I was of Indian origin. Um, so I think the, I, you know, I studied to be a lawyer and a journalist and I was pretty much told that there was no work for me in front of the camera in Australia to my face as a teenager. So I had to go to India. And now the fact that I have a show in, in Australia called The Twelve, a film on Netflix called Wedding Season and The Mist, it's that in itself is is evidence that the tide is 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 sort of turning. And you're still, uh, dare I say, you know, pretty young, Pallavi. So this is quite hopefully exciting yeah. that those hard times are hopefully uh, going to become less and less. Common. I know. I wish. I wish the beginning of my career didn't have to be as convoluted. Yeah. But I'm really glad that I can now say, okay, I feel like now I get to just have a career. There's no fight. To, can I actually be a performing artist? That is bloody great to hear. Next question. And if this is your podcast, then I'm going to have to cut you off. What you hearing, <laughs> Valerie? <laughs> what am I hearing? I'm listening to a lot of Bollywood classic music because I'm feeling really nostalgic right now mm-hmm. uh, for my time in India in the post-pandemic world. And um, I'm, this is an in, this is not a plug for my film, but it's you're going to say that it's related. <laughs> I'll allow it. One of the things one of the things in the movie that was really important to us was really capturing the essence of the kind of music that diasporic families love listening to. And so, just hearing that soundtrack has inspired me to go back to my roots as a classical Indian dancer and revisit Indian classical music and and the forms that inspired me since I was very young. I highly recommend it. What is the it's name? Not niche at all. What is the name of the? Of the I'd like to check it out. Tell me again the soundtrack. Um, well, the soundtrack is called wedding. Well, the wedding season soundtrack. But yeah, I'm yeah. listening to. Pre- okay, if you if you listen to a song called Jimmy Jimmy, yep, an old Bollywood disco song. I guarantee you, you're going to be bopping around in the studio. 
Old, bold, okay, Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm going to put that on. We're going to give a little bash later on. I will be bopping awesome. nonstop. Final question. Over there in LA right now, apart from champagne on your own in your apartment as your um, film premieres, what's your tasting, Valerie? Tasting a lot of yummy mole, a lot of uh, Mexican mole. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like everywhere I go, there's just mole everywhere. And I just walk around being like, mole, 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 mole. And it's not funny. No one's enjoying my joke. Everyone loves. All. Were you even born when Austin Powers came out? <laughs> I mean, I've, it's, I think it's like, yes, I was born. But yeah, I inherited it later. But yep. I just, yeah. <laughs> no one, apparently that joke's been done. Is it possible to say mole without laughing? That's my question for you. No, and then I first, first, then I got confused. I was like, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe it's mole. <laughs> and then, I, and then I was like, I was like, can I some mole? And she was like, well, this woman is just so confused by me. And then she thought I was Spanish and all the Mexicans started speak to me. And I was like, necesita aprende. I was just like saying random words. It was so bad. I just wanted a taco. And then they recognised your voice from the podcast, and it all fell apart completely. Yeah, yeah. They were like, you're the Pakistani girl that lost the. Uh, <laughs> I don't trust you. Uh, oh, it's so funny. Look, to be honest, the main thing I do on trains is fall asleep because I work in breakfast radio now. So often around lunchtime, I'll hop on the train, put on a mask and kip off for 20 minutes or so. Good times. If you'd like to listen to my breakfast radio show, you can do it via the ABC Listen app from 5.30 every morning Australian Eastern Standard Time. Otherwise, just keep listening to the podcast where we will bring you all the best bits. Thanks to my sound wizard, Ross Kavanagh, and my Breakfast Radio family. Thanks for joining. Have a wonderful week ahead. I might hop on the train and fall asleep now.